Who is Coach Mike? Coach Mike, very nice guy. He's a good softball coach. He's sincere. He's the dumbest smart guy I've ever known. Upbeat, optimistic, good-natured, always looking on the bright side of things. Wow, thank God he didn't say that I had a face for radio. But then what do you expect for $5 these days? Just can't hire good help. Hey, in all seriousness aside, stay tuned for the Weed Whacker podcast where I will be discussing almost any subject and bringing in guests to hash out and get rid of all the weeds. We're going to clear the path for your success in whatever it might be you need. Your life, your business, your politics, your religion. We're going to bring it all right here to the Weed Whacker. that noise ladies and gentlemen that is the weed whacker going we're here to clear the path for your success we're going to get down in the weeds and we're going to move those weeds get them out of the way because too many times we let our successes get held up by weeds by stuff that we allow to grow in there and it's funny because i was just having the conversation with my guest today and he's going to talk about a key word and that key word is going to be, we're going to find out it's the reason those weeds get there, right? Think about when you do your yard. When you don't mow your yard for a while, what happens? You get some weeds. We're going to show you how to get rid of those weeds today. My guest today I've just met recently in a, in a really cool platform called the Pantheon. A friend of mine invited me to this guy, I mean, to this platform. And the first guy I heard about, was my guest today, and and just talking ten minutes with. I know we're going to have some fun. So welcome, uh, Hirsch Refune. Did I get that right? You got it so close, Mike, that it's that it would be a crime to penalize you for it. <laughs> did I do better than most? You did better than most. Let's <laughs> leave it at that. Yes, I, I should have asked you before, Hirsch. I usually let my guests on here instead of me reading off some bio. Tell us a little bit about your story and and why you're going to help whack some weeds today. Whack some weeds. Um, yeah. Well, thank you for having me, Mike. And, um, and I, my background, I have a, I have a dual background. So I started in stand-up comedy and I achieved as much as I could possibly, as any comedian could possibly achieve in stand-up without making a living at it. And, um, <laughs> and I, I augmented it with, with working in advertising. I was told that I was a good salesman, which was funny because I, I always froze when when I had to sell something or tell or pitch something. I loved just kind of showing, show and tell and not the pitching part. So I didn't want to do the cold the cold call part, but I loved writing. I loved writing copy for commercials. I loved writing bios. I loved writing press releases. And I just became like a master kind of uh, writer across all the different mediums. I, I did PR for some time. I did uh, corporate communications. I did uh, copywriting and marketing. And I've always infused it with comedy. So that's kind of my 
my brand. I call it Yes Brand, and it's based on the improv game of yes and the rule where you never say no. You never say no to a to an idea. Somebody gives you a crazy idea and you say yes and well, I'm gonna, we're going to build on it. We're going <laughs> to we're going to. So someone says, hey, my my lawn is all full of weeds. And I say, yes. And you have a weed whacker in your hand. You have the power to whack the, the I don't know if I'm allowed to use, if, use uh, profanity on the show. But I, I would use the S word probably. And I would say you can, you can whack the, yeah. those weeds and and go about your way. I'm not going to be on the Disney channel anytime soon. So we're OK. No, I'm too old now. I'm too old. I had my chance. I had my chance when I met Mickey at Disney World. Uh, when I was uh, probably seven is when I first started going to Disney World. If I didn't get a career as a Mouseketeer by now, it ain't happening. Ain't happening. Uh, where did you start the comedy? I, I, I thought about do, trying to do that. I love to tell jokes, but I learned as I start out at Toastmasters, there's a difference between a humorous speech and telling jokes. And I'm sure that you've got a combination of the two for stand-up, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's a good observation because so I started when, when I would the very first time I did stand up, I was about 21 or 22 and I was in, in New York and I was in school in New York and a friend of mine knew the manager of uh, of the comic strip and Catch a Rising Star and a couple of other clubs. And back then you would just wait to go on. You wouldn't do open mics. Now they have open mics at three in the afternoon, open mics at five. You know, here you would just hang out in the club until one in the morning and then you would get your chance to go on and do four or five minutes and the clubs were packed at one in the morning so you actually had an audience they were also drunk and so you know one one of the first times i went up they there was a woman that was heckling and i didn't know i didn't know about heckling i was not like slick and kind of uh, polished. I was nervous, but they had to carry this woman out. She, I, she took care of it all herself. She, she heckled oh. me. She heckled herself. She laughed, literally carried her out. Like on, on a, like, like <laughs> as you would someone on a stretcher. And, um, oddly that didn't help my act. Cause I thought, I thought that it would be, but it doesn't, it just throws you off. Oh, so wow. I learned, okay. I learned you got to write, but the first time I, the first time I went up, I was ready to go on. It was one thirty in the morning and Eddie Murphy popped in. And this was like 1991. Oh, wow. Eddie, yep. Mur Eddie Murphy popped in and he was, he just did a drop in and it was like, you know, the Messiah coming in and people are stunned and he, he killed for like 45 minutes and then he lit, he left. And then it was like, what am I going to do? But I did go <laughs> All up. of that. <laughs> I did go up. And, um, and, and I, I didn't do well, I didn't do well, but it was because I didn't write anything. I, 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 I thought because to your point, Mike, I thought, cause I was funny, I could go up and be, be funny for five minutes. Cause I'd been funny my whole life, but it, it doesn't work that way. You got to give people a story, a setup, a punchline. They're expecting a payoff, you know, and it's and it and the nervousness combined with no writing is a bad mix. So I learned my lesson, but that's where I started. And I did all the clubs in New York and uh, subsequently in L.A. Years later, I was living in L.A. for about 20 years. And uh, and during the last, let's say, from about 2011 until 
2018 or something. I was doing a lot of a lot of stand up there in L.A. And that oh, was I fun. was out there. That's where yeah. I was. I was in Norwalk. Oh, I didn't do Norwalk. We didn't have much there to do in Norwalk. No, I did. I did. Um, <laughs> I did uh, Claremont. I did a show in Claremont. Oh, okay. At Flappers. If you did Norwalk, it was probably the only thing I do in Norwalk is go to the uh, courtroom or something there. And usually it's not a good thing. No, but, usually uh, it's not funny. It's not. It's a, not funny. Do we're, yeah. were audiences hard on you? Are they hard on the rookie getting up there or do they try to get you? What do you think? They want, I, I believe that all audiences want to laugh. But what you have to do is give them, give them a break and don't make them feel bad for you. So the confidence that you display is makes them comfortable and at ease. So if you if you just kind of and even if it's nervous, if your thing is nervousness, that's fine. Then you fidget and you do your nervous bit. There are plenty of comedians that did very well being being nervous and being awkward. And that doesn't put them off because you're just being yourself. But, you know, just go up there and remember that they're, if they didn't want to laugh, they wouldn't be there. And as soon as you pull back that arrow and you hold that tension a little bit and release it with a punchline, they're ready for that to make them laugh. So just remember they're on your side. That's that's the thing. So I don't think they were hard. That's probably a pretty good lesson for almost anything we do, though. Yeah. Especially when we're trying out something new. Right. We're for sure. We're sometimes spending too much time worried about what the customer or the potential customer or if you're going for a job to get hired or something you're you're more worried about what they're thinking than what confidence I have and what I think I can do with my you know what are my abilities right they're worried interview them you know I remember getting that advice when you go in for a job interview interview the interviewer ask them why you should want to work for them you know it's like it's like it just just it's all perspective. The whole world is just about our perspective. What are we bringing to that meeting or that interaction? There you go. What's that? Uh, I get a kick out of that movie. Uh, Fun with Dick and Jay. Is that the one with Jim Carrey? Where, and uh, Alec Baldwin is the the CEO and he's taking, he's screwing everybody and taking off with the company <laughs> and they stick Jim Carrey in the, in the media uh, thing and he's got to ex- try to explain this on a national stock yeah. show, finance show, or whatever. I love that one. And yeah, you know, Jim's got to go look for a job after that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's well, a good he, one. The fish out of water thing is a is a great device. You know, just being like I said, like being uncomfortable and fidgety, or being out of place and screwing up is really really funny. As long as we we don't cry about it, you know, if we screw up on stage and something and, and we just are we just cop to it and we're relaxed about it, then the audience is like, oh, it's OK to laugh. He doesn't mind. He doesn't mind laughing at himself. That's that. That's what I that's I, I started a podcast about a year ago called Truth Tastes Funny. That is just about at processing the absurdity of life coming out of that pandemic. It was like, we're all in a chaotic world. Things are crazy. Every day it's crazier. We, we could have our head in the sand or we can just laugh at what we can laugh at and get through that, get through that day. How did you handle that heckler? Did you pick up on her? Did you respond to her? Well, my, my natural disposition is to be courteous. And so 
I probably was easier on her than I than I should have been. Like, 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 I don't know. I would have, if, if I had, cause the funny thing is she was laughing, but she was laughing at her own, at whatever she was hearing. So I'm doing the setup and she's laughing hysterically at the setup. And I'm trying to say, ma'am, that, that this, this works, this, I do need your participation. Just not, <laughs> not yet. <laughs> <A little early. laughs> how about this? When I, when the other people start laughing, that's your signal to, to go. And she didn't laugh at that. And then, then I knew that was trouble. <laughs> Did not laugh at that. I don't know if I can say his name in public anymore, but you know, the master of that was Bill Cosby. Yes. You could, you could harass him. You could try to get in. And he would just bring you right into the act. And, and my wife and I on our honeymoon went to Vegas years ago and he was the headliner and he could just take anybody in the audience that said something, trying to be funny and he just bring her in 200 MPH is my, one of my favorite ones he did. And yeah. there was a gal that asked him about getting stuck in the snow and he ended up making half the routine about her and getting stuck in the snow and everything. Well, the good thing you could say about Bill Cosby is that he was never, he was never boring. And trust me, that is not a guy you want to have put you to sleep. So that is probably, I don't do, I don't do Bill Cosby jokes. You all right? I don't do. It just occurred to me now. So I don't want to, I don't want to hear about any backlash from that because that's just, it just popped into my head right now. Oh, sometimes but, um, those are the best ones, brother. Yeah. But again, it's a coping mech. It's coping. How else are we going to cope? Yeah. And that's, you know, that's a major skill getting through life at any level, at any venue is coping because everything is not going to be hunky dory. You know, it's sort of like people are thinking now I'm a Christian, so life's going to be perfect for me. Jesus never said that. He, he said the opposite. He says, you're going to get more challenges and stuff yeah. like that, you know, so you better be ready. Before the show, we talked about that key word. And I said, those people that haven't mowed their yard, right? Uh, the weeds grow probably because of inaction. inaction. Yeah. Inaction. Tell us about that. Yeah. So, so, and I, and as I told you, Mike, I'm, I'm guilty of it myself. So my, my pet peeve, if you will, is something that I've been struggling with my whole life. And I think I'm finally overcoming, which is that you want to take action. You know, you probably should, there's some risk involved and you're risk averse and therefore you don't do it. But the problem is you're taking in many cases, a bigger risk by being inactive. We weren't meant to be, we weren't meant to be sitting on our tuchus, you know, wa watching a screen all day. Uh, we were meant to get out there, right? We were meant to be out there. We were meant to be out, of, out in the world with our phones, not just yep. sitting, <laughs> just sitting here. Um, but, but honestly, so when I talk to people and I don't know, I don't, well, you really do know, you know, either that you should or you shouldn't, and either one is okay, but just have that conversation with yourself and then do the thing. And, and after this pandemic coming through so many horrible things and crazy chaotic things, I think the good part is that a lot of us are uh, willing to shake things up. We're willing to try new things, you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. But if it's, if it's not working, let's clear the path. Let's, let's try something different. And again, like with comedy, don't be, 
it's the same principle, right? Don't be, don't be afraid. Don't be shy. Don't be the worst that can happen. If you get up on stage and bomb is that they don't laugh. You know, that's really it. And if you try something new in business, you try a new path, we should as a society forgive ourselves, forgive ourselves for, for failure. Failure is, is not what we think it is. We think it's some kind of label or some kind of, uh, uh, you know, blemish. It isn't. It means that we tried something and we learned something. And, uh, and we're not going to do the same thing over and over again and get a different result. It's going to be the same every time that yeah. I'm not a science teacher, but that's, that's science. That's a pretty, that's a pretty unbendable fact. You know, you can't do exactly the same thing with exactly the same circumstances and get a different result. That's, I think they call that insanity. If you think it's going to be different, but how many times do we get the story that Edison, failed how many times, a thousand times, 10,000, whatever to, in trying to invent that light bulb. Yeah. Did he quit? No, he didn't. He didn't quit. He kept going. Fear. We put, we give fear too much credit and through Toastmasters for years, the one thing they, we learned a long time ago, because public speaking is still people's number one fear, according to a lot of polls. And we use the acronym fear is false evidence appearing real. How many times do we make up Oh, this could happen. That could happen. Oh, yeah. Get on that comedy stage. Oh, my. They might boo me. They might throw a beer bottle at me. I don't know. What do you go through your mind, you know? Yeah. I mean, the negativity is really just our our mind or our ego protecting us. We're we're survivors, right? Human human race or as a species, we like many try to survive. And we're we're telling ourselves, no, we we may perish if we if we, yes, we may, but we have to overcome that to get anywhere. We're going to be right, right here if we, if we don't do anything. And that's what I, that's what I really get frustrated with. I don't want to be in the same place tomorrow in my life adventure. I don't mind coming back to my desk and doing my work and we're doing my shows and appearing on shows, but I don't want to be in the same actual space in the world that I occupied the day before. You want to have an impact on somebody. Yes. Yeah, indeed. I tell my, uh, when I, I coach girls fast pitch softball, and one of the things I would always tell my, the girls is you're going to learn more by striking out than you are by hitting a home run. So yep. don't come back to, oh, I struck out. Yeah. Okay. Learn. Why did you strike out? What did the pitcher do or what weren't you ready for or whatever it is, but you can learn more right there. And it's so true of everything else we do. Take the shot. What I would tell high school kids, you're only here four years. Well, maybe five if you get lazy, but this is temporary. You might think, you know, when we were in high school, when I was a freshman, oh, four years, oh, my goodness. That was a long time ago, a lot longer than four years ago. Right. <laughs> that's the good That's the good news is that at some point you won't remember how many years you were in high school. You you may remember, remember you may remember an episode <laughs> of uh, of the uh, you know like I love you talk about Toastmasters I love the uh, the roast masters the the Friars Club roasts yeah. Don Rickles and oh, Dean yeah. Martin and all those Dean people Martin. I watch those videos still today and I encourage although there already are a lot of young people young people who want to understand how to not take life too seriously to watch Don Rickles. I always end up talking about Rickles because because there's so much 
uh, affection really in there that is what drives all of the uh, all of the insults we want to call them insults you know all the all the 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 ribbing you know all yes. that stuff that's just that's confidence and and affection at work that's what that is well the, and uh, what's the other guy he was in uh, uh, Caddyshack and uh, Rodney Dangerfield Rodney Dangerfield yeah you know I mean he made it famous to be humiliated. <laughs> you know, yeah. He made it famous to. Where do you put procrastination in with inaction? Are they the same bird or are they different? They're uh, sister philosophies. I think uh, procrastination is is. An, I'm also guilty of that. I think sometimes we do what is easiest, and we put off the thing that we that we don't want to do. Which is there's two ways to look at that in work. We should seek to do the things that we do best and that we like to do as our primary vocation, right? But we're all going to have to do stuff we don't want to do. And I right. think if we get up in the morning and we can force ourselves to do something we don't want to do and get it out of the way, uh, we'll have a victory. We'll have a victory. It isn't easy. I don't always succeed at that, you know, but, uh, you know, sometimes I wake up. And I start doing a task that I know I can do that's easy. But once my brain is working, I try to do something really that I that is harder, that I didn't want to do. And and sometimes I'll just knock it out of the park just because I'm fresh. And, and I took on that challenge with all my energy intact. Whereas if you wait till later in the day, depending on your personality type, but you wait till later in the day and then you try to do it, then you're like, yeah, well, uh, nothing we can't put off till tomorrow, right? Nothing we can't put off till tomorrow. I'm not making any decisions today, you know. Oh yeah, you are. You're making a lot of decisions. You just may not be making the ones that you need to. The right ones, yes. Right? You're looking at a procrastinator. My cousin would tell me that she, my mom died when I was ten, and I went to live years later with my aunt and uncle. And uh, my cousin says she thinks my aunt should have had me tested for ADHD. I've I've seen there's both sides. Is that real stuff? A friend of mine says, no, get them in karate, get the kids in karate or martial arts and, you know, don't drug them up and all that stuff. But I was too smart for my own good. You know, I went to, I was, everybody said I should be an engineer. And I was thinking MIT and Caltech. I was accepted at Purdue. Grandma says I can pay a year. Dan says I can only afford a year. Back then we didn't have the free money for college everywhere. So I ended up staying home in Tempe, and at the end of the of a year, I got a nice letter from the ASU that said, please visit our fine junior college system, and when you get your grades back up, come and see us. Mm -hmm. The only two classes I passed was Air Force ROTC and English. And English had never been my strong class. I was math, science. You know, I got... Uh, started off with uh, calculus back then. Now it's, and I think they teach calculus in the third grade now or something like that. But back Ooh, then yeah. I was a freshman in college and I, I walked into this lecture hall with 250 students. The professor didn't know if you were there, didn't care if you were there. If you turned work in, you got a grade if you didn't. And the first couple of weeks was, were you trading algebra? I got this. I'm working on my ROTC or I'm in the bowling alley or doing everything I should have been doing but that. And I fell flat in my face. I got the first quiz with this functions and derivatives and plow. It took me three semesters to pass calculus. Yeah. 
That's how smart I was. <laughs> well, yeah, and it has nothing to do with being smart. You know, I'm smart. I, as far as I got in in math, is I can I can spell all those things you just named. I can spell derivatives. <laughs> I can spell calculus. I can spell trigonometry. I can't perform it. And what what I think is funny is that the whole thing with calculators was a was a big deal when we were young. You know, don't use a yes. calculator. You're going to go. And and now we really don't use a calculator, but we also don't do any of the and half of the things that they taught, you know, they're, they're teaching things now that I don't understand. I started I, using a slide rule. Yeah. <laughs> the compass, the, the other thing, you know, it's like, uh, come on, man. Let's, I rather do, I look at life as a play. Let's all play a role that we're ideally suited for and then understand what the other person's doing, but don't be in the spotlight, you know, doing that task. That's, that's the way I, approach it here's a few years ago during the covid insanity whatever you want to call it i don't recall (laughs) (laughs) what happened what was it oh covid yeah anyway i was i took a job for the summer working up at the marina we had my wife and i bought a pontoon boat uh after we moved back here to north carolina we're here a year two couple years we bought a pontoon boat and it was you know it was cheap when it was an old one but it works and we enjoy it. And so the boss of Marina, I said, you know, I kept trying to tell you, you know, you give me, uh, you know, 10,000 in training, I'll buy a new one or whatever. He says, no, not today. And, you know, I'd kid him. I said, oh, if you go 15, and one day he said, Mike, keep asking. He says, because the answer to any question you don't ask is always going to be no. Yep. The answer to any question you don't ask is always going to be no. Now, we don't want to be ridiculous, obviously. We like to joke around, but... So many people to get over that fear, ask, how many times have you asked for something and the person you asked them, they said no, but then they went on to say, but if you can do this, maybe we can talk. Yeah. You know, the, the no, the first no, by the way, is I always look at that as just, and and again, I don't like being a salesman, but I know that, I know that the first no is just a gut reaction and you know, and, and they're not, that isn't necessarily a no. So it's really, what's your objection? Why is the, where is the no coming from? I mean, with the boat thing, I don't know. Boats are in a class by themselves. <laughs> if my, my theory about boats is that the longer you wait to commit to buying a boat, the longer it's going to take you to regret it. And that's, that's it. Cause you're going to regret it. But we haven't but yet. We haven't putting yet. it off. Don't put it yeah. off. Buy the boat today. Regret it tomorrow already. Then be be done with it. Sell it Thursday. <laughs> Two best days of man's life, right? Right. You bought a boat the day the you day sold, the sold boat. it. That's right. <laughs> I I traded a, a neighbor of mine in California. I traded him some chimney sweep equipment. He had a lawn business, and he thought, well, this would be a good way to cover the winter and stuff. You know, if I picked that, I, mean, I traded me for a boat he had. Mm-hmm. And the boat that we never got in the water, he had, it was a boat that could go in salt or fresh water. And he had loaned it to somebody, they took it in salt water and they didn't hose it out. And when you do that, bad things happen. Yeah. And, you know, I took it down to a, the Marine shop there in Norwalk and the guy comes out and he's 50 feet away. And he says, nope, you're going to need $3,000 worth of stuff. And I, you know, I, I gave him a couple hundred dollars worth of equipment for the boat. So I'm not, so I finally did sell it. I finally said, ah, okay, I give up. I'm not going to, I don't have 3000 to put into it. 
And the guy that said that he wanted to buy it, he came out and I, I think he gave me a hundred or $200. I forgot. And he gives me the money. And he says, you know, I really only want the trailer. He said, you mind if I leave the boat here? <laughs> no, you got to take the boat with you. <laughs> you got to take it away. <laughs> take it away. You might have pulled around the corner and dropped it on the side of the street. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. There's something unnatural about buying something brand new that already has fungus on it. I don't, I don't, you know, what's the, what, are, what am I supposed to do with that? I buy new dishes, a new set of dishes. I don't, yeah, I rinse them off. I don't have to get the fungus off of it. To use it. <laughs> so Boy, that's a good point. Give me give me the audience a couple steps here. Three steps they can write down, whack out those weeds, get over their inaction. I mean, let's take the the most timid person. Maybe they're really great like me. Okay, I used to be great as employee where my inaction, I'm like you. I, I there was times I was either procrastinating or coming up with a reason not to take a chance on something. But I could always come up with something there. But if I was your employee and you said, Mike, I need you to go mow this lawn today. I need you to go put this boat in the whatever it is. I'm great at that because you just gave me my direction, my path, my right, right. My action. When I have my own business, I, I some of my business I did very good with. I used to have a mail and parcel center out in California, did very good with some things. But there's other things where I know I wasn't as successful as I could be because I spent too much think, time thinking about why I wasn't more successful. Yeah. Well, that's you you gave you you threw out one thing that people can do right there, which is don't don't count your your failures or your negatives, you know, before they hatch, right? But I would say the first thing I would say is first of all, your mother doesn't know everything. That's that's the first reason not to 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 not be you know inactive to be active because your mother so to speak will always try to protect you and always always help you avoid failure as a rule and I, and by mother I mean you know just speaking in the general sense that voice in your head you know sure. so the other thing is practice being honest with yourself about very very simple things how you feel today, how your you know, how your how your body's treating you, you know, things like that 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 aren't about this decision and practice being honest with yourself. So practicing being honest with yourself allows you to confront things that, you know, may be challenging. And the other another step is to think ahead and envision what will happen if you don't do that thing. If you are inactive and you do not, somebody says, we're just, we're kidding about the boat, but let's just use it as an example. You've been wanting to buy a boat. It keeps, it keeps gnawing at you. This guy has a great deal on a boat. You've researched boats. This does feel like a great deal. You have this nagging feeling that it may be a waste of money or it may not. Think ahead a year, two years, and you didn't buy the boat. And you made that inactive decision. You backed away. You just said, no, thanks, pass. And you didn't buy the boat. What's going to be the likely outcome of that? And if you start to imagine that, oh, what's that going to be like? What? Is, okay, so I didn't buy the boat. So then we wanted to do, my wife wanted to go here and we couldn't go here because we couldn't, would have been nice to have a boat ride. Oh, the kids came back to visit. Would have been nice to take them out on the boat. And all those things that you couldn't do because you didn't make that decision. Right. Oh, Rather yeah, than yeah. worry about about the negatives, you know, and then the, and then the third thing is what I said earlier, which is 
if you set a goal for yourself to be in a different place every day, a different place in life, a different place in the world, I may be a fraction of an inch ahead, but I'm in a different spot. I did something. Then look at this decision and go, hey, is this, maybe this is my decision for this day. Or maybe this one's so big, this is enough for a week or a month. But if I do this, I'm going to have taken charge and made a, made a decision. But the overwhelming thing is our, is our instinct. I think it all, all of this stuff comes, even when we're, we get in fights with people or we get angry about something or we're, you know, all those negative vibes are coming from some place. Where are they coming from? What is the problem? But it's not about listening to the salesman or listening to the friend or listening to the wife or the family member. Because if if they say something and you know that it's true, you really know they're right, then you know they're right. That's that's you. That's not them. They're just pointing out to you something that you're afraid to to admit to yourself. But if you can really get in touch with that internal barometer, you may end up doing more stuff. There you go. It reminds me of an old saying I used to use with the, when I talked to people about coaching high school students, and it applies in customer service too, which is where I originally heard it is one, oh crap, wipes out a whole bunch of attaboys or girls. Yeah. And, you know, people can be patting you on the back and, oh man, Hirsch, you're, you're funny and you're this great guy and everything, but one guy can come along and say, oh man, you're full of it. And what do you spend most of your Right. Next hours or two on. You don't worry about the 10 people that patted you on the back. You that guy that guy told me I was full of it, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's it it's something that I learned in comedy because uh you know, you're always you're always obsessed with the one person that's not laughing or the one person that's not enjoying it. That has nothing to do with anything. You're there for the people who are enjoying it and you know, this is you'll hear this from any comic. Just you play to the people who are laughing. Don't get obsessed about the breaking the one person who's not. And that's that's the thing. We're so we're so prone to self-criticism and uh, and questioning, you know, let it go. Let it go a little bit. Don't don't obsess about that one insult or that one. That person may have some anger, some issues. First, we've had a lot of fun here. And I got to say one thing. I liked what you said to me, and you got far enough in comedy to where you were ready to make money or whatever. And I'm just thinking, yeah. man, how much how much higher is it if you're you're pretty funny? I, I've enjoyed this. <laughs> and it just, but how how much better are the guys that did go on to make some money with that? They're no uh, better. They're no better. They're no better. <laughs> no, they're they're no better. But uh, but but what I but what they what I will say is that. In many cases, it's a combination of, of things, their goals, their circumstances, how much commitment they put in, how many times they were willing to get knocked down and get back up again, how much time they hone their craft, how committed they were, um, how resilient they are. So you see somebody out there who's done extremely well and made a lot of money as a stand-up comedian or as an entertainer. It doesn't, it, this isn't about talent. Talent only gets you to a certain point and the rest are a lot of very conscious decisions. So it's like anything it's like anything else. You have an aptitude for it. You could really be the funniest person in the world, but if you don't have what it takes and you and you don't have the hunger for it or you're hungry for something else in life, in my case, I wanted I wanted a family. 
You know, I don't think that had I gone on the road as a stand-up comedian, I would have had my family and it wouldn't be the same family. I wouldn't have the kids that I have. I think there's a lot of reasons, but I appreciate the compliment. And no, they are not any funnier than I am. (laughs) (laughs) There's that comment. Hirsch, I sure appreciate that. And thank you for your time here. We're going to definitely get some weeds whacked. I hope people can take this because you've given them solid steps that, like you said, apply. It's not just comedy. It applies to any thing we do we got to do the homework we're going to get knocked down sometimes somebody's going to say something that you weren't expecting or you don't like but you got to turn that weed whacker back on and keep going at it that's right that's right well this has been a pleasure mike how can people get old if they want to know more Oh well, they can they can find me on my on my in-phone. I have all my I all love my that stuff. Thing. <laughs> I know I love this device. Um, I it's an app, but I but I love it, and it's on my phone. And it's if they just go to one URL, if they go to infone i n p h o n e dot co forward slash Hirsch, H-E-R-S-H, they'll see all my shows. They want to check out my podcast. They want to check me out on social. Um, they can reach me through there. So check me out and uh, and contact me as needed for, uh, for whatever it is that we need to take action on. If we need to refresh your brand, we need to come up with a better brand voice for you. They want to, you want to think bigger and think like a like a seven or eight figure brand, you know, whatever the next level is. Uh, let's open our minds and get get down to it. Let's go. On. Thanks again, Hirsch. There's that noise, folks. That's that weed whacker. I think we <laughs> whacked a few today. So tune in again next time. We're on Spotify. We're on iHeart. We're on Apple. We're on Amazon. I'm getting all over the place now. I just need you to listen and, and get me out. Get a hold of me, Coach Mike at CoachMikeNow.com. Or you can get my info too with slash Coach Mike now. And uh, let's whack some weeds. Have a great day, everybody. God bless you. Thank you for listening to the Weed Whacker Podcast. If you would like to join Coach Mike to discuss an issue important to your life, send us an email to coachmike at coachmikenow.com. Tell us about your issue and how it is affecting your life. Give us your first and last name, phone number, and email address, and we will contact you regarding scheduling. Coach Mike will use only your first name unless you request your full name in the podcast. Also, please visit CoachMikeNow.com to sign up for Coach Mike's weekly newsletter. You can also visit Coach Mike's Clubhouse on Locals.com. There you can choose to follow Coach Mike, or if you want access to more content, become a member of Coach Mike's Clubhouse to get certain members-only content. Thanks again for listening. God bless you as you whack those weeds out of your life and move forward to success. Thank you for listening to the Weed Whacker Podcast. If you would like to join Coach Mike to discuss an issue important to your life, send us an email to coachmike at coachmikenow.com. Tell us about your issue and how it is affecting your life. Give us your first and last name, phone number, and email address, and we will contact you regarding scheduling. Coach Mike will use only your first name unless you request your full name in the podcast. Also, please visit coachmikenow.com to sign up for Coach Mike's weekly newsletter. You can also visit Coach Mike's Clubhouse on locals.com. There you can choose to follow Coach Mike 
Or if you want access to more content, become a member of Coach Mike's Clubhouse to get certain members-only content. Thanks again for listening. God bless you as you whack those weeds out of your life and move forward to success.